things are out of control nowadays. I've never gone to one. You've like, never is gone it, to one? Is no, it just like it is in the movies? It's like a Comic Con now. I mean, people dress up as everything when they go, and everyone's dressed up. We were like the only ones not dressed up. You didn't bad. dress up? No. It's the first time we went to that one. We went to one like two years ago, and that was the first time we ever been to one. Uh, and this one was uh, huge. They have their own. It's like a compound just for the Renaissance Fair. But the joust was the most fun that we actually got to see because people are really good on the horses and they actually do joust and they hit each other and they have to break the shields. It's pretty dangerous. And then they put on a play. So after the joust and one of them wins, the one that lost took out his sword and slit the neck of the announcer and blood goes spraying out like Kill Bill style. And he's like, ah, and he falls on the ground. The kids are in the audience and everybody's cheering. And then he like punches the guy in the face and they have like another blood packet. So it's just like all over his, it was so so graphic and so funny it was it was pretty excellent that sounds so, amazing yeah so you yeah. gotta go see a renaissance fair i mean that that quality of renaissance fair if they have the, a joust then they kind of went all out you don't need to go outside come on there's there's a dog on aaron's display she's um, old we gotta you know yeah baby's gonna be like 14 and in, in december so she's she's up that's there. like 112 in dog years i know Ugh. But she's like old and demanding, like an old person trying to return soup at a diner. <laughs> that's, that's another Seinfeld joke. All right. We should probably get to business. Oh, right. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Uh, this is Why the Last Cast, where we break down week by week the episodes of Why the Last Man, now playing on Hulu. Aaron... No, just recap. You said you're a big fan of these comics. I have never read the comics, actually. Did you You've read the never, comics? I, I think I had two of the trades. Here's the question. Does he have yeah. the monkey? He has the monkey. Good. Um, got two and a half episodes in. They premiered the first three last night. I was sitting there thinking, please don't turn out like Preacher. Please don't turn out like Preacher. And it's a good story. Where did it, Preacher go wrong? I don't know. I just didn't enjoy watching that shit at all. <laughs> was it just Did the you... characters weren't? I didn't watch any of it either. Did they follow the yeah, story? Like... I mean, they got a, a fine story to follow. If you just follow the story, you'll probably be fine. It chopped the story up into different sections, but I think he was trying to, I don't know what Rogan was trying to do with that, but is I didn't like it. Is it coming back at all or is it done? I think it's done, done. How can it be done? Like there was a, there was a finite number of comics. You got to tell that whole story. I can't believe they screwed it up so bad that they can't even tell the whole story. I don't even know if they finished the story. Yeah, that sucks. But so far, so good with why the last man. Like it is, you dig the characters, you dig the story that's happening. It's good. Uh, if if you guys don't know, why the last man is a famous comic book where a disease wipes out every man on earth except for one guy, and we see the ramifications of that, and they're good. Well, it yeah. it wipes out everyone with the Y chromosome, right? Yes, including animals, everything. Yeah. So, like, there could be transgendered men still. Uh, there are, and there are some in the show. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what um, I thought. And my girlfriend picked up on this right away because uh, we met the transgendered characters as they were stockpiling testosterone. And I didn't pick up on it. And she was like, transgendered. And I was like, uh, oh. That's good. That's, good. Yeah. that's a good way to bring, you know. Yeah. A various different kind of cast more than maybe another show could. For real. But yeah, anyway, uh, that's my plug for why the last man go Has- watch it. Preacher movie. Hashtag preacher movie. Isn't this what we do now? 
they didn't finish the story. So now we well, have to gang together in one mob on Twitter and demand a movie from uh, Seth Rogen. Yes, from Seth Rogen to finish out the preacher story. And then we receive it after a big thing and then we go eh. you know the funny thing <laughs> is, is <laughs> don't tweet at us if they finish the story and that preacher ended up being better after the first couple seasons oh, i was just relying on your knowledge of it yeah i mean i fell yeah. off because i just okay. hated it yeah but anyway that's a lie this isn't uh why, what did i call it why the last podcast yeah i think you just that's called a... it why the last cast and i thought that oh, was pretty clever actually why the last cast also works yeah yeah this but is that's actually not what this is no, no, it's not. Surprise! What have we stumbled into now? Down the rabbit hole we go to, what was I going to call the other one? Uh, Malignacast, oh, where we yeah, shot for shot that. talk about the uh, new James Wan film, Malignant, uh, that just came out on yep. HBO Max. And I tell you what, sir, you need to take that wife of yours, sit her butt down on the couch, and force yourself to watch this entire movie. Because you will spend the entire movie going what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's great. Do you know James Wan well enough oh, yeah. to... Yeah. He flexed. He was like, you, you, I'm a big director now, directing Aquaman and everything. Yeah. But no, I'm going to make a horror movie that blows your fucking mind. And then he did it. Hmm. Yeah, so was it good? He, it's, it's good. <laughs> you will probably think it's bad for 95% of it. Hmm. It's just crazy what he did. And I can't believe they let him make it. Yeah. That's all. Well, now that everything's just going to streaming, they let anybody do anything. Like, that was a blank check. Well, didn't Aquaman make an ungodly amount of money for some reason? Oh, yeah. yeah it so made a... He's like, I'm just I think it made more this. than a billion. Yeah. It was $100 billion. Uh, Speaking of streaming, guess who just left Warner Brothers? Christopher Nolan. Christopher Did Nolan. He? I didn't yep. hear that, but that was just the first person that came to my mind. Like, he has done every movie yeah. since... You know, what's ins- interesting, that well, he hasn't done every movie, actually. Uh, Except for Insomnia. And Prestige, he did for Disney. The thing is, he doesn't have a contract. He's never had a contract with Warner Brothers. So they just kind of assumed he'd work with them, and he had kind of just always liked working with them. So this was like the first time that they ever had to like try and court him because they were going to lose him. So where did he go? Universal, I think. Yeah. He's making another World War II movie next. I'm hoping uh, it's... No, I mean, I don't know. That could be good. But... It's supposed to be about Oppenheimer and the bomb, so that yes, could be right. cool. Oppenheimer, right. That sounds uh, like a David Fincher passion project, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Did you see I don't Mank? Know if... No. No. Yeah, it was good. It was actually not... kind of not good, and then it got good. And then I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. And then it, it, it just kind of, like, it's a good film, but it's also forgettable. I've never been a big Fincher stan. Yeah. Like... I enjoy his work, but I've never oh, you used lost to be, my mind. I would say. I mean, like the first four movies, I was, and then I completely lost interest. It's I hard was to definitely... be Fight Club. I don't think has aged well, but it's hard nope. to beat Seven and what's another one? The Social Network. I mean, that's probably his most grown-up film. Perhaps that was probably firing on all cylinders. If you can stand that kind of film, and I don't like, I don't like the subject matter or anybody that was a character in that movie. Not, but I know it's a good film. But I don't care for the Social Network. That's the thing. Like, I do not care about that story. That is not I, history that I am concerned with. I have never seen it either. Even though a lot of people say, oh, you have, oh I've definitely seen it. I didn't yeah. know you hadn't seen it. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm a, I, I misspoke. Seen I gotcha. haven't seen it because I'm not interested in the subject matter. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of people say it's. One well, that's the thing. Best. It does transcend. That's 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 why it's a good film is because it does transcend the fact that you don't care about Mark Zuckerberg, and then and then you see it for what it is. And wow, this is actually a really good film. I'm surprised Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher were actually able to pull this story off because it sounded 
like a horrible idea on paper when they announced that they were going to work on Mark Zuckerberg's life story. But we were like, what the? Nobody wants to see that. And it is as good as they say. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think just seven really sticks out to me as maybe my favorite of his films because that's just messed up in in all the good ways. After our teenage years, he did... What was it? It was Seven, The Game, uh, Fight Club, Panic Room. Panic Room kind of turned me off a little bit. That seemed like a go-nowhere kind of film. Yeah, it was just fine. But that's kind of the tone he set. Every movie after Panic Room is kind of Panic Room, if that makes sense. It's just a well-constructed, well-made movie. So that's how Mank was. And it's like a good film. But yeah, just kind of... Like his dad wrote it. Right. Yeah. So that's why it's Passion Project. So when you say that Christopher Nolan's doing Oppenheimer and the bomb, then yeah, I'm like, oh, was David Fitcher not available? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nice way to tie that back. Yeah. To but you know who should have uh, gotten a, another shot at directing a film was Anthony Perkins. Huh? Anthony Perkins? You mean the that. hit director of Psycho 3? No. I mean the not-hit director of Psycho 3. (laughs) Oh, that Anthony Perkins. But that does not make him a bad director. I was impressed with his direction, and I wish he hadn't died like two years later, or maybe he could have got a couple more shots at it. It was like five years later. No. 92. uh, Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Sorry. This is 86 is when Psycho 3 came out. So what are we talking about today? Are we talking about the Psycho movie? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Aaron, hi. I don't know if you know this, but we are the hosts of a podcast called Aaron and Justin Talk Sequels, where I'm Justin and you're Aaron. That's true. And we talk about sequels. And we have to start this episode with a big asterisk. Uh, last week, we told our loving audience that we were going to cover Psycho 3 and Psycho 4 today. But something happened. Yeah. Um, something bad. Uh, we weren't able to find Psycho 4 <laughs> in any kind of convenient way whatsoever. I even and... looked on YouTube to try to just watch it. Like I was like, somebody's got to upload this TV movie, but nobody did. And there's a reason for that, Aaron. Why is that? Um, because Psycho 4 was a TV movie, yeah. and it was called Psycho 4. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. I made a movie that's not even as good as Psycho 4, and that's on YouTube. so i just assume somebody's gonna put it up there Um, although it was made for showtime that kind of tv movie so maybe if you have the showtime app maybe it's on there maybe but have you ever subscribed to showtime uh yes briefly so i could watch twin peaks the return Uh, okay yeah, I was going to say, was there's thing. not a lot of reasons to pay for Showtime. Mm-hmm. So anyway, everybody's off the hook. We are only talking Psycho 3, which is available to stream for free on Peacock right now. But I did watch um, a fun video by Joe Blow, if you're familiar. I'm sure people are familiar with him, the YouTube guy. Uh, where Joe he does Blow. A, he did a funny recap of Psycho 4. So I kind of know about it now, and I can relay some of that info once we're done talking about three if anyone cares okay so yeah we're going to talk psycho 3 1986 sequel to the hit psycho 2 which was a sequel to the hit psycho to the classic psycho the classic psycho not the gus van sant shot by shot remake which i watched most of and then got fell asleep Mm -hmm. uh the gin took over just to quickly recap Psycho and Psycho 2, there is this poor soul named Norman Bates who is suffering from a serious mental health disorder where 
he becomes his mother, kills people, and then snaps out of it. And he has no memory of what happened. And he will go and he will clean up the bodies because he doesn't want his mom to get in trouble. He gets caught, spends 20 years in an insane asylum, and gets healed and is released back into the world a normal person. And then some people who wanted revenge on him for killing those people when he was crazy tried to make him insane again by plotting and making him think that his mom was still in the action in in the action uh, still around yeah and in uh in action thank you and that all got resolved too but what happened is norman's poor psyche was broken once again and he thinks his mother is alive and with him. And this is where we start with Psycho 3. That's a pretty good recap. That pretty much does it. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. I left out the twist in Psycho 2. Yeah, that's fine. But that's fine. Yeah. We'll, All right, sure Aaron, we'll get into that a little bit. So what is Norman doing nowadays? Well, Norman is just living in the house as normal, and he's running base motel. And he has uh, his mother's who he now believes to be his mother or her dead body in the house. And the way the movie works in Psycho 3 is that we meet a nun. And I thought this was a pretty clever opening where this nun is having a lot of problems with being in the convent and she's about to commit suicide by jumping off a bell tower which is probably an homage to Hitchcock. And all the other nuns go up there to try to stop her. And one of them trying to stop her ends up actually falling to her death. So now instead of killing herself, she has all this guilt about the fact that she just let another sister die. Uh, so then she just leaves the convent and then she's just on the road. She's just walking. And then she runs into a guy named Dwayne or Duke, who is a uh, wannabe rock and roll guy with a car. So he gives her a lift. He tries to take advantage of her in the night. She's not down with it. So he leaves her on the side of the road while it's raining. Yeah, she ends up just having to walk from there. So Jeff Fahey plays uh, the lawnmower man, if you're familiar. <laughs> oh, does he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, among other things, I mean, he was like with Tarantino or Rodriguez, I think, in that Planet Terror movie. I think he's in a TV show that he's more famous for, but I don't recall what that is. Anyway, but he's been around here and there for the past like 30 years. He was on Lost. Yeah, Lost. There you go. He was in Lost too. And uh, so he ends up getting to Bates Motel and Norman is looking for someone to help out during the day because he says he likes working at night. So he hires Dwayne to work at the motel and then who should pop up after a long walk to try to get a hotel room there but Sister Maureen. But she has the same initials as Marion. Yes. Movie. So yeah, so she ends up getting a room at Bates Motel. But when Norman gets a look at her, it starts to remind him of Marion Crane from the first movie. But also he has a problem when he sees attractive women. It starts his murder lust <laughs> coming back. So that's where we are after all that. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, well, there's a reporter too, right? Yeah. And she's and trying to do a story about psychos. No, she's trying to do a story about healed psychos, healed psychos and tr yes. trying to take their place back in society. And Norman wants nothing to do with her. And then another important fact, I think, is the sheriff, who was in, also in the second movie. And they treat Norman like he is like one of theirs. Like they, even though he was part of that whole horrible thing 20 some years ago, and then mis totally misunderstood about everything in the second movie for the most part, they are like on his side and they are very protective of him. And they are they, like, they give him a second chance. Like you would never believe a, a sheriff would give <laughs> to do an ex-con. Norman Bates could be, using a bloody knife yeah. to serve them oranges and it wouldn't matter yeah like they'd be like oh norman you're the best <laughs> like 
it's ridiculous <laughs> right. how much these cops love Norman. Yeah. What's the easiest way to get through this? Norman falls in love with the nun and she's down. She's down to clone as well. Yeah. Like at one point they're actually making out and watching Norman Bates kiss a woman yeah, feels awkward. wrong. Oh, well, maybe it's because you're watching Anthony Perkins kiss a woman and that's what feels wrong as well. He's very awkward. This is true. And that's why they say they hired Anthony Perkins just because yeah. he was so different to begin with. But also her backstory is that she's a sister who has that hasn't really had any sexual experience anyways so she plays it just as awkward so it kind of works out they're kind of coming from different places but they're joining from both of an awkward area and that's what why i think it actually kind of worked but he he actually because she starts to pull up all these feeling murderous feelings in him again he actually goes to the motel to kill her much in the same way he was going he killed Marion Crane in the original movie and when he opens the shower curtain he sees that she's already slit her wrist great she's twist. actually committed yes committing suicide and in her dazed illusions she sees him as mother Mary coming to save her so it was, was a great twist it was the first part of the movie where you're watching a second sequel where you're pulled in and all of a sudden like wow this is actually pretty good do you think Perkins is trying to make a statement about saviors and God and religion here like Could be. this was a man that was quote unquote saved I don't know that might just be know. a weird rabbit this hole this is his conversion movie yeah <laughs> his homage to conversion therapy I don't know I hope yeah. not <laughs> hope not so Norman kills a guest a young woman who is out for a football party yep. the hotel's actually doing pretty good he's booking stuff he's got these guests coming in like weeks in advance yeah I remember how mad he was about Dennis Franz in the second movie how the guy was turning into like a drug and, and prostitution hotel basically and that's kind of what it seems like it's turned into the business is down so he's just taking anybody now and there's this rowdy bunch of football fans that are treating the place like it's their own personal sorority or fraternity yeah and this woman I think she just went into the office's bathroom and i think that was enough for norman to butcher her well whenever he has some sort of sexual feeling he has to his mother takes over and kills because he's a naughty dirty boy and then he shoves her in the ice yeah he hides her in the ice box yeah hides her in the ice box and there's a great scene where the cops come because she's been reported missing and he's eating ice out of the ice box casually and he actually eats a bloody piece of ice like in front of them again these cops just they have no interest no. in norman that's so funny. Um, but Duke knows what's up with Norman, and he quickly uh, goes to shake him down. So he wants, is it money? He was just thinking that he needs money in order to in order to make this dream of his of being a rock star. But it, not not so much just like easy money as he sees Norman as somebody that could like feed him money here and there. You know, like I'm going to take advantage of this guy for a while. So I think it was very vague, but it was like, you got all this property here. You sell any part of this property. We'll be making some money. You can give that to me. And if you don't, you know who I'm going to tell about this, blah, blah, blah. Because he stole Norman's dead mother's body out of her house. Yes. So he's aware and he's yes. like he's down with the with his craziness as long as uh, he keeps him in the money I guess so but it was a quick yeah. I thought it was effective like that's all the that's all the motivation that guy needed to be an asshole and and to be like uh, to, for them to come to uh, like a battle and where Norman has to end up killing him like it worked it was quick but it was fine it didn't bother me yeah Norman kills him off in the meantime while this stuff is happening Tracy the reporter is snooping around and she's caught wind of the fact that Norman's quote-unquote real mother is missing. She starts digging around there, and could you 
explain to me what she found because that confused me. Do you still have it fresh enough in your memory? Because I'm two weeks out. What do you mean exactly? She realizes that Norman's mother... Oh, the whole backstory about her. That's what you're yes. asking. Okay. So anyways, what Tracy the reporter finds out is no, your mother from the first movie is actually your mother. Emma was jealous of the fact that your mother married your father, who she was in love with. So she ended up killing your father and stealing you as a baby, but was caught. So you were returned to your mother and then she went away. So now that she got out in the second movie, she made you think you she was her actual mother. So what the third, if that's confusing, I'm sorry. But what the third movie does is reset everything back to the first movie. So Emma Spool was not his real mother. She what he was she was just his aunt, and she actually killed his real father. And the mother from the first movie is his real mother. So it kind of resets everything the way it should be in the psychoverse. These sequels have a lot of weird backstory mm. that they demand they give us, and I don't know if it's necessary. I don't know. Do you think? Do you think this was a reflection on him killing this woman in cold blood at the end of two, and audiences thinking, "Oh, he's a dick. He killed this woman, and she was so nice." Now they fill in the story where she wasn't nice at all. It's okay that he killed her, but she killed all the people in the second movie too. True. Like she was the one actually killing. So that's why I don't think anybody was too mad about that. But uh, I think these movies, see, that's the thing with a classic movie like Psycho, none of these movies needed to exist. But if you're going to force them into being, you better come up with something that's going to be twisty and crazy for the audience to watch. And that's what they have to do with these movies. If they were just regular Norman doing crazy things and there was no twists, well, it wouldn't be worth even making. The last part we haven't really talked about is... Yeah, once Tracy gives that whole info about the fact that his mother's not as... The woman that says you're his... You're his her son is not really your mother your original mother was your mother whatever after she gives all that info he ends up taking it out on his mother's body on his fake mother's body and, and that makes to dust. Him, yes and that i guess makes him cured in a way in his minds so when he's led away by the police and the sheriff who's really disappointed in norman I, you made me look like an asshole norman this for two movies now i've been telling everybody it's not you <laughs> look what you've done Look what you've done, Norman. <laughs> he puts him in the police car and Norman's like, but I'm free now. Because he's like, you're going to go away for the rest of your life now. But Norman's like, but I'm free now. And obviously he means from the from his mother. From his mother. However, the very last thing we see is that he stole his mother's or that woman, his aunt's hand. And now he's caressing it on his lap. So maybe he's not to- quite cured. And that's kind of how the movie ends. So, yeah, um, And just in case you were wondering what happened to the nun, oh, yeah. Norman accidentally killed her. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't mean to. No, he actually didn't mean to kill her. Yeah, she just fell down the stairs and broke her In the classic homage shot to the first movie with the guy falling down the stairs. It looked horrible, but I was like, well, you know where it's coming from, so maybe it's not supposed to look good. I know, and this movie was fine. If we just had a simple car analogy for these movies, it goes right in order. Psycho Psycho starts with the gas tank full, (laughs) and the engine is roaring to go. Psycho 2, the engine or the gas is down to like a half a tank, but it's still going down the highway and flying. Psycho 3, we're like the light is on. It's not quite hovering on empty, but you're scared you might not make it to your destination. We just have a consistent drop off in quality. And while Perkins might try to emulate some of the elements of the first movie, because they always seem to pull in the first movie. Yeah. 
he in no way was a competent enough storyteller to really flesh this out the way that they were able to with Psycho 2. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was, I'm was. i still on the fence. Is Psycho 2 or Psycho 3 the better film? Really? Yeah, I don't know. I think Psycho uh, 2 may be a little too complicated for its own good. However, learning the twist at the end kind of made it worth it because it was a whole mystery the whole time, and you are trying to figure out who is actually doing the murders, if not Norman. So it was kind of satisfying to find out. And I'd like the idea that they brought the mother back. Like, oh, he's back to being Norman Bates psycho again. But but three, I think, simplifies it a little bit, but still wants to be twisty. So I don't know if this movie actually plays better than the second one. I think it may actually be a storytelling improvement, but maybe not as engaging. And you know what? You you do you, man. That's yeah. I, I respect that. Um, the thing that I liked with Psycho and Psycho 2 is Psycho 2 maintained that there's a mystery and we need to solve it aspect of what Hitchcock did. You gave the audience a mystery and you follow along as the audience tries to figure it out. With this, uh, there's not really much of a mystery that yeah, I'm invested in. Yeah, it's more in. of it's like, how is Norman going to get out of this? Is kind of where you are. And maybe yeah. he's right in thinking that, and Perkins directed this film, maybe he's right in thinking that we're actually on Norman's side now, even though he is a psycho. So maybe that's why it is engaging to me to watch because you're rooting for him. <laughs> like, how is he going to get out of this? So it's kind of a fun ride for me while watching it. and Like the cop pulling the ice out of the icebox and not seeing the body in there. Like that's that to me was enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, but how is that scene going to go any other way? They open the icebox... Hey Norman, true. There's a there's a woman in there. Yeah, at the end of movie, right there. You're right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cuffs, right. sirens. Yeah. All over the newspaper. Uh, speaking was... of Perkins as director, uh, I thought he did a bang up job. I was so impressed. I mean, he has like crazy edits that worked so well. Like he'd be in one area and then he'd turn the corner, and it turned out he was back in the house. But it was a simple camera move, and it was very clever. I just feel like he really went for broke. And then like when he kills. Uh, Duke in the car with his like his foot on his on his head like holding him under the water as the car sinking in the pond I just thought that they they didn't cheap out like they definitely put the money and the time and the production value into these sequels that are unfortunately called Psycho 2 and 3 and automatically nobody's gonna care as much as if they were just real slasher films that had come out in the 80s uh, speaking of which this was made on an 8.4 million dollar budget and it grossed 14. Mm. So uh, Psycho good. 2 was $5 million budget and it grossed 34. Yeah. So at least it had a pretty healthy return right. there. So yeah, definitely a down. Um, anything anything else you want to say about this fine film? I think these both of these films are, are a nice surprise because you really don't think that sequels to Psycho are going to be anything worth seeing. And I'm like, wow, these are actually worth seeing. They're, they're good slasher films. Having seen a lot of uh, sequels for no good reason, mm -hmm. like I've gone down the rabbit hole with a lot of horror franchises like this. Yeah. And these these really always stood out and it's why I wanted to cover them. Because some, I mean, you watch like um, the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, some of those, or like Friday the Thirteenth, probably more than any other. I mean, those ones just suck bad. Ugh. When they're bad, they're bad. Amityville Horror, I think, has like fourteen films in it, and that and, one I've never done. Yeah, those are just horrendously bad. Some of those, and these aren't that, and that's why I think that I'm like, wow, these are actually like real films. They just are saddled with 
having to come af- off of a Hitchcock classic that automatically you're not going to think much of. And that's unfortunate. But but you do need that movie in order to make these films. Like, I guess you could find a way to make them their own thing. But if Anthony Perkins in it, he's obviously just playing the character that he played from Psycho. So Now, I'm looking at the Psycho 3 poster right now, and I think there's a couple different ones. But the one on the Wikipedia With the is... With him holding up the keys, and it's what do you think they said to him to get that face? Like, I don't know. I never. Norman looked nat or Anthony looked natural. It kind of <laughs> looks painted almost. So I don't know. They don't show the hotel. They just show the house in the background. So is he giving somebody a key to the house? Like I'm very confused about everything that's happening. Yeah, I guess he is. Yeah. You want to take over yeah. my house? Here you go. Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> uh, anyway. So I can do a quick, I actually don't remember much, but I can do a quick recap of Cycle 4. Yes. Cycle 4 was a TV movie for Showtime. They made it Wait, no, we got to settle in. Audience, everybody get comfortable. Aaron's going to tell us a story. <laughs> and go. I'll tell you a story. Come with me, children. It takes place, I think, present day. Somehow he's out of prison. Did you see anything about Cycle 4? Do you have any idea what it's about? I've seen it, but I do not remember it at all. You've seen it? Like back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah. I wish I had seen it. Never saw it. So it's, I think it's modern day. So it'd be 1990. It'd be, you know, like eight years after. But somehow he's out. The way the guy that described this movie, he said that it it forgets what happened in two and three. And oh, I don't really? know if that's true. I don't know if they really needed to do that. I don't know if it's one of those kind of movies where it's a direct sequel to the first movie. I didn't even think they did that yet. Yeah. So, but maybe they just didn't go into it. Maybe they didn't really need to because the third movie resets the fact that that's his mother. So if he doesn't want to talk about the other mother, then he doesn't need to. Anyway, but he's like living in a a, a nice subdivision. Like he's out of prison somehow. So he's living in a nice subdivision and there's a radio like shock jock. She is trying to tell a story about she's trying she's doing some program about psychos and people who have mother problems kind of like tracy was a reporter it's kind of that kind of thing and he ends up calling into a radio show under a fake name and tells her the story of his youth so then you see him as a young man played by henry thomas i don't know if you knew that from but, et and and the guy that's in all of mike flanagan's movies now you know <laughs> i did not yeah so he plays a young norman bates and his mother is um i can't remember her name but i don't i don't think you know her but she's batshit crazy and, and it's just how he grows up with a crazy mother like she is always like schizophrenic where she's like nice to him one second and then like slaps him around next and uh you know he's going through puberty and he has to like if it's thundering and lightning he has to get down in his underwear and sleep in her bed so she can hold him because he's like a thunder buddy as they say <laughs> Did yeah. they say, oh, so God. it's and, and they have like wrestling and underwear him and his mother together yeah it gets like like that oedipus kind of thing but it seems fina- it seems very interesting in this movie like the way they do it so it's, he's just showing how he's really fucked up and it keeps cutting to the back to him talking to the radio announcer and I think somebody realizes that it's actually Norman Bates who's calling. But that's pretty much the movie. So it's a sequel and a prequel all in one. And from the guy that did the little video on it, he said it was actually pretty decent. He gave it like an 8 out of 10. Um, And it was a fitting way for Anthony to actually end his run as Norman Bates. And they said it kind of had that feel to it where you could tell he was like um, ready to end the character on a high note. 
and then he died like two years later. So that was it. I don't trust the reviewer at all. I don't know. I got to watch it. It was kind of interesting. He he made a good case for it to be an actual. He made a good case for it to be a good film on the level of two or three. Just going off of memory, I believe he is about to have a child with his wife. Yes, that was something as well. Yeah, so he's married. And he's worried. Yeah, and it makes him a psycho because he doesn't think she should have a child. I don't know if he does or he wants to kill his wife. Like that's what's going to happen. I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, tweet at us if you remember Psycho 4 better than we do. Um, And since it's a TV movie, this is where we are. This is our excuse for not watching it. (laughs) Yep. I am very anti-TV movie on this podcast. I apologize. And I am talking about movies that premiered on broadcast TV prior to streaming. Um, Well, this was actually cable TV. And it's still broadcast. Prior prior to streaming. Prior to streaming. Yeah. Yeah, because those rules don't count anymore. Uh, thank you. Psycho 4 sounds delightful, and I will never watch it again. Probably not. Something important to talk about before we wrap up. Uh, the new iPhones were just announced. They are adding cinematography mode to the camera, where it, and I, I'm very excited to try it, will automatically do rack focus. <laughs> okay. They're the, taking my job. <laughs> they're doing AI stuff better. And so the camera will stay focused on the person. But then if the person turns, it's automatically going to look for another subject in the back. Yeah, it's grabbing its POV, basically. Like, what is that person looking at? It's smart enough to know that. And when the person looks back, it switches back to them. Yeah. My cat is meowing right now. funny? You don't got to do anything anymore. It's kind of neat. You just let the computer do it all. But this is a boring year for iPhones. Like, the changes look minimal. They call it 14. Is that the newest one? 13 now. 13. Jesus, I got a 6. It's will forever <laughs> It doesn't my mind. seem old. I mean, it doesn't look old at all to me. Have we talked about what they did? They added the flat edges back. Yeah, I like that. From the iPhone 4. It's way better than the curves. So what's that? Uh, the iPhone 13 Pro Max. No, 12 Pro Max. You're like, uh, I mean, you've always been, as much as you could afford, like a, a quick adopter of new technology. I'm a dork, yeah. 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 Like if they came nice out with myth. a new gaming system, you pretty much got it. I mean, sure. I've At calmed down Nintendos. a little. I remember you would I, always I, have the newest Nintendo. Well, they were great. Even the I mean, Cube. I have the newest Xbox. The, the Cube, Cube was good. The mini, the mini disc of <laughs> Nintendo systems. <laughs> That was that was their failure for so long. Uh, Took them a while to recover from yeah. that. So the Switch, that's the newest thing with Nintendo, right? Is that yeah, still new? Yeah, they're about to come out with a Switch Pro. I think it'll still stay relevant. Hmm. Nintendo just became the Atari of the gaming systems, I feel like. like they, they were like, we're cartoony, we're fun-loving, we might as well just do that instead of trying to be ultra slick like xbox or xbox or playstation and people seem to really enjoy it people like a contrast with games now like the top games are you know like a hundred hours or more to play and go through Mm -hmm. but nintendo keeps it light and it's like you can play our game in about 20 hours you don't have to invest your whole life yeah it's more for the casuals and the family friendly and they really have cornered that market they don't really compete with xbox anymore people are expected to have an xbox and a nintendo can you play those games on nintendo though like assassin's creed or whatever those big things are some if they can be scaled down for like the lower powered system yeah well we did that pretty well yes i think that's about 
40 minutes talking about it in 20 minutes not like, this will be i'll edit it down to about 12 13 minutes <laughs> psycho <laughs> three ladies and gentlemen <laughs> We really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, next episode, we are going to be talking about those fun-loving Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. And none of those Michael Bay remakes, mind you. No, the original three yep. that we grew up with in the 90s. And I think everybody, I don't know. I have a hard time thinking anybody, any guy who's not in his 30s or 40s didn't see those movies. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing the second in theaters, but I really don't know if I ever saw the third. No, I don't think I ever saw the third. Yeah. I was pretty much um, out after the second. Like, we, we I, loved it, but I quickly became out of that, of the TMNT sphere. I just left it and then never, never was around for the third. Never came back. Yeah. One thing I'm disappointed about and I need to check. I'm a little sad that Krang has never been in a motion picture Hmm. and I want some Krang in my life. I'm hoping that one of these Michael Bay ones try it. Even if it's bad, I want to see it. Did you see the sequel to the Michael Bay one? Out of the Shadows? I didn't even see the first one. Oh, I saw the first one. I think he's actually in the second one. (sighs) Do you? Yeah. You might want to look that up. Oh, see, that's very exciting. Yeah. I might watch those after might the be. original. I can't recall, but I think he might be. I want some Dimension X goodness. That's that's amazing. Dimension X, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, so next week or next episode, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And until then, this is Ben Justin. Uh, I remain Aaron. And we look forward to you hitting us up on social media and following us forever and ever and ever and ever. See you Endeavor. Then. Yeah, I'll see you. Bye.